What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. If you don't know who I am by now, I need you to do better. All right. Uh, I'm Chris Kane, and I'm very happy to have you guys with me. I had a long and fun weekend in Florida, so I'm going to update you on that and then go into a couple disconnected topics that kind of relate at the end because that's kind of how my brain works. So we're going to do it like that. First of all, Florida, always a good time. Love going back home. Um, I miss it on the West Coast. It, it didn't even rain when I was in Florida, actually, which is weird. But uh, the purpose of the trip primarily was to perform comedy at the spot that really kind of got me started in comedy, Speak Fridays. Uh, back in the day, for those of you in Miami, this is all old for you, but for those who didn't see me in Miami, there was this comedy room that we did like in a warehouse. That was every Friday at 8 p.m., $5 to get in, and it was always flooded with comics just trying to get time on stage. And when I discovered the place, it was already kind of popping. So I got to it late, so that means I'm low in the totem pole. And there will be many Fridays I will go out there like at 7 o'clock, 7.30 to sign up on the list and not perform until 11 or 12. Get home like at 12.30 or something. And then eventually over time, you know, you start getting more you get more recognition you get moved up in the spots you start performing like at 9 9 30 10 and then you can still stay for the show but you're not you know sitting there till midnight um there are a number of times i've signed up for the list and never performed and the show went from like eight to like one in the morning it was a crazy long show with musicians and poets and comics and a lot of tremendously talented people but you know, you don't care about how talented someone else is when you're waiting to perform. You're like, hey, it's my turn to get up, right? So I started doing that pretty much every Friday. And I was always trying to do new material and a lot of it bombed because I was new at it. And it just kept coming back. It was available. It was close to me. Eventually, I wanted to start hosting the show. And the guy who puts it on, Rob, was like, nah. <laughs> He's like, nah, you're not going to host. You're not ready for it, pretty much. And he let a couple other people host. And then, you know, eventually I kind of, I started with like rearranging chairs. That was my thing. I, I used to help put chairs out for the show. And then you just like help mop the floor. And then I started help taking tickets at the front. Um, then uh, putting cones out to tell people where to park. This is how I started with all that stuff. And over like the course of a year, I worked my way up to being like, you know, in the circle of people who had influence, but still I didn't have any. And then maybe like six months after that, he finally let me actually host the show. And it kind of grew from there. The show expanded, went to a better, bigger location. They started teaming up with people like Kevin Hart and, you know, people of that ilk. And um, it's been, you know, flourishing ever since then. So the point of the trip primarily was to go back there and perform. I haven't performed there since I moved to California. And so there was no real pressure. I mean, people were just happy to see me. It's like, oh, man, you came back. That's dope, you know. But on my end, there was a lot of pressure because I left. The last set I did at Speak was maybe the best set I ever did at Speak. Maybe the best set I ever did in Miami. I think, and there's a lot of reasons for that. The crowd was lit. Uh, there's a lot of hype around it. I had material I had been working on for the last, like, six months that was pretty clean at that point. And... You know, it all it was like a perfect storm. So I can't even say like I was a great comic that night. It's just the moment was, was awesome. And so for some people, that's the last time they saw me. 
And then two years later, I'm like, I need to be better than I was two years ago. It would suck if I came back and the jokes didn't work. <laughs> Same what have you been doing in California? You've been exposed to all these amazing comics and you come back and your material is like, meh, right? So no one there put pressure on me. I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself to come, to be stronger, to have a different maybe style of perspective. Comedy is a weird thing. It, it kind of fl- it fluctuates based on how your life is going, based on the times and all that. And so went there, did a brand new set. No one had heard it in Florida before. It was well-received. I felt good about it, so that was awesome. Uh, my brother and God sister came down to support, which is even more awesome. That wasn't originally part of the plan. Um, so my brother got to see me. My sister had to go back, but my brother got to see me. and He hasn't seen me since I performed in New York maybe almost four years ago at Gotham. So he hasn't seen me in forever. And so that was dope for him to, like one, be a part of the show. He got to see kind of where I got my roots and he got to see like some of my friends and he got to see me on stage in front of those people and he told me he was proud. And even if he wasn't, he probably would have said the same thing, but I think he actually was. So that was also amazing. But maybe the highlight of the trip, and I'm saying this is all awesome stuff so far. I think the highlight was catching up with one of my favorite clients. And I was gotta say one of my favorites because I have a lot of clients and they, they come at me if I say anyone is my actual favorite. One of my favorite clients is uh, my client, Jeannie, who I've trained for a, f- a couple years, and we've been very cool since I moved here. Um, she recently had a baby. I hadn't seen her since before she was even pregnant, so that tells you how long it had been since I'd seen her. And you ever have a connection with somebody where you cannot be around them for a long time, not even talk to them as frequently as maybe you want to? And then the moment you guys are around each other, it's like it clicks and it's like you never miss a step. That's the kind of bond we have. And it's mostly because when we trained, it was very open. Like she could tell me about her life. I can do the same. Um, I heeded her advice. She did the same for me. And generally, she's just a fun person to be around. And I think I'm fun sometimes. So um, we probably sat and talked for maybe three hours, which is a rare thing. I mean, we're talking while the baby's in the background, like gnawing on shirts and whatever babies do. But we were talking and we went over a number of topics. One, because we haven't talked deeply in a long time, but also, you know, she hadn't seen me in a long time. And her biggest thing was, you know, kind of keep doing it, keep doing what you're doing. Because everyone asks me, everyone asks anyone the same question. Like if you move from where you are to New York and then you come back to visit, everyone's like, how's New York, right? That's the common question. And no one thinks, stops to think that maybe you've been asked that question a hundred times. It's just the thing to ask. It's not, you don't know what more specific question to ask. So everyone was asking the same question, how's LA, how's LA? And it's, well, it's good sometimes, bad sometimes, you know, celebrities, you know, taxes, all the same things. And they very rarely get to the meat of what your experience is because one, they don't have the time for it or two, they don't have the patience for it. So because I knew she actually cared about how it was, I gave her the pleasantry. How's LA? How's ups and downs, you know, but I'm just pushing through. And then we started getting some more depth into our conversation. And I started telling her about the struggles I've had since I've been here. Some of those I've outlined for you guys. Some of those maybe aren't appropriate for a podcast. I'm not sure. But 
the more I kind of went deeper and deeper, then we kind of like paralleled our experiences because she's like pregnant when she wasn't expected to be and then has a business and has a guy and then like has like a house to like. So we had our, we both had our experiences over time. And part of what her advice to me was, you know, you're, I've always, I've never known you to like get knocked down by a situation. And all the time I've known you, and she's known me through a fair amount of ups, ups and downs. And so she's like, keep pushing through because you never know when you're going to break through the other side. I think that's what, that's what happens when you're doing like any archaeological dig. They're just like digging, 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 whatever. And at some point they hit something and it doesn't budge. And it's like, oh, then we got something. And it's like, I know, a skeleton or a bone or something. But the same thing happens in life, though. And she sent me some dumb little meme picture, but I thought it was cute, <laughs> about like this guy, like this tunneling. Like two guys, one is tunneling at the top, and he's still going, but he's like kind of far from where he's trying to get to. The other guy is right next to where diamonds are, but like he can't see it. He just sees dirt, and he just gives up. But if he had tunneled for like two or three more, I guess pickaxe strikes, he would have like hit the diamonds. And the, the meme's goal is you never know how close you are to the goal. Keep on digging, something like that. And I think that's a very apropos description of what Hollywood is, probably. Definitely L.A. Um, anyone starting a career or a new career, it's like you're just hoping at some point to tread water, right? Like I know any new business, a lot of the, there's, there's a high go under rate. Right, but then also they say you don't make money for your first year or two. That is always a thing. But then you want to get to a point where okay, we're solid. I'm treading water. Things are good. The business isn't going to close down anytime soon. But really, the goal is to get traction and notoriety and start growing from there. That's the whole point. And to the point where the business itself is self-sustaining. Maybe it can be expanded on. Maybe it can be sold off. Right. That's kind of how the game goes. So. That's those, and that seems like a, a very menial kind of way of encouraging somebody. It seems minor. Hey, just keep going, right? It's, it's simple. But sometimes you need to hear from someone that's not in your immediate circle. It's easy for someone in LA to say it because they're doing exactly the same thing. Hey, man, I'm going to keep going. You keep going. One of us is going to make it. High five. Meet you at the top. Sunset Boulevard, right? That's That's kind of a thing. But for some reason, when she said it, it resonated. Because maybe I've given her the same advice at some point. Maybe, you know, I was being discouraged at some point, and I, and I try to avoid that. But I am human, and we all go through it. Like you're trying hard, you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing, and you don't feel like you're making headway because you can't see the light yet. It's like I know I'm working hard. I know I'm trying. I know I'm putting the right effort forward. My energy is right. Why are the results wrong? And in, in that, if you're using that kind of, you know, binary system, but sometimes like the system is wrong, is wrong until it's right. This is something I say to uh, women <laughs> when I'm in when I'm in an argument, and it doesn't go over well in the moment, but I think it works later on. There are times when I'm in a debate or an, an argument or what have you, and I'm saying something, but I'm not saying it the right way. And so they're being they're offended by maybe the way I'm saying something or maybe just what they're 
gleaning from what I'm saying. And my, my statement is I'm going to say the wrong thing until I say the right thing. Because I'm, maybe my intent is not to be offensive or to like make you feel some kind of way. But because I'm not saying it properly, I'm not asking the question the right way, I'm not coming at it from the right angle, it seems like I'm coming at you as like an affront to what, what you are. And then at some point, I finally say the question the right way, or I ask the question the right way, or I make the point in a way that they can actually digest the point without the other part to it. And it's like, oh, okay. And then we kind of get past it, and then it's like, oh, I'm sorry I made you feel you know, antsy, or sorry I made you feel agitated. That's on me for not communicating properly, which is the truth. I didn't say what I wanted to say the right way. And as a result, you felt like I came at you the wrong way. So, but it, it, that's how my brain's trying to process. I'm trying to say the right thing, but I don't know how to do it the right way. And I think that's kind of what life is in a lot of ways, right? You're trying to, you're just trying to push through. No one has a perfect blueprint for how to get to where you want to get to. There's an idea. I mean, it's to like become a doctor, something that's formulaic. All right, go to school this many years, graduate this many years, graduate this many years. Okay, intern, resident, blah, blah, blah. Like this, I guess it's pretty straightforward, but you don't know exactly which hospital you'll work at. You don't know exactly which internship you'll take. You don't know exactly when residency is going to be, how your chief of medicine is going to be to you. You don't know how your, you know, co workers are going to be like those are elements you don't really know about you just kind of know i'm just pushing through pushing through until i finally become in this case the doctor i want to be most professions aren't that cut and dry it's oh i hope this business pops i hope you know my this singing album pops off i hope my comedy works and there's some blueprint go out and perform promote yourself um make connections try to Hopefully not use people, but use the connections to further what you're trying to do. Hopefully you get a base, keep the base happy, expand on the base, and then dot, 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 you get to where you want to get to. But for some people, that happens pretty quickly. Some takes a long time. Sometimes people quit before they get to that point. And so I think that was the parting wisdom I had from that trip because it was one, nice to catch up with her. It was awesome to see and just sit there. Like There were times I was like, oh, man, I should be doing other stuff. Like Maybe other people I wanted to meet, but we were having such a good time that I just kind of, I just let it ride. I think I think it was one of those times when we set plans sometimes, and then it's just like, nah, we're not doing that. <laughs> just This is good where we are. And so we rolled with that. So that was one of the, probably the most major takeaway, but maybe there's one that's as important. And it kind of piggybacks off of it. And it's more about the company you keep, right? This is an old adage, right? You are the company you keep or you're some of the people around you. Any of these have been used countless times. This is not some amazing thing I just said. But I think that keeping the right people around you who have your best interests at heart is something that's, I think, becoming harder and harder, we're more in a usury society now than we've ever been before. And so what you have is people who claim to be friends, people who claim to be there for you, who are maybe with you because the moment is right, or maybe because they think they could use your relationship to ascend to wherever they want to be. And so 
they're with you and they're friends with you, but it's not it's not righteous. It's more like the moment things get shaky, I don't mess with you no more. Or if you inconvenience me in any way, then you know that you you become a lesser person in my life. It's it's an unfortunate situation, but I think this is an extension of the social media age. I also think it's the idea that people don't communicate well or communicate honestly. I think if you told people sometimes, listen, I think you got a star that's that's rising, and I want to kind of ride with you. I think you're going to be famous, and I think I can be famous too. I think sometimes people will be like, all right, cool. At least you were honest about trying to use me <laughs> to get up. Um, but we don't we don't have that level of just pure honesty. While I was in Miami, my I told you my brother came down, and like he wanted to stay where I was staying, and I was staying with my client and my friend Michelle. And I always do when I'm there. She's essentially an extension of the family. Uh, very close to her. I know her whole family. Very good relationship there. And somehow communication got kind of sideways where I was leaving to go back and fly out the next morning. Somehow that didn't get communicated and my brother had planned to stay for an additional day. But, you know, he didn't have any means to do such a thing. Obviously, he was staying with me. So when I said I was leaving, it was like, oh, well, I didn't really plan to leave until the next day. What am I going to do? And then he was like, well, I can't really get a hotel or, you know, do I try to bum a ride with you? Do I inconvenience this? And it became kind of a situation where it's either going to inconvenience me to a point that it would have been extremely annoyed because <laughs> I had a rental and it was like, do you go four hours out of your way in this rental to accommodate me, which I would have been unreasonably frustrated by and expensive? Or do you... You know, bum it. Do you stay here? Are you kind of displaced? It was this whole kind of situation, and ultimately, Michelle was just like, "Hey, he can he can stay here. I know you're going back, but he's your brother, and he needs a place to stay, so he can stay here." And like that was such an amazing kind of selfless thing. There's nothing to gain on her end from doing this, and it would have been more than reasonable to be like, "Well, listen, I know you and I are cool, but." I don't really know him, and I don't really want him in my house without you here. Couldn't have been mad at her in the least bit. That's more than reasonable. Um, and really, I didn't even want to ask because I thought it was kind of taking advantage of the situation. Not that she didn't have the space, but it was it threw me off, so we could, I couldn't prep her for it. If I knew, hey, I'm going to be here for a day or two, my brother wants to stay for an extra day, is there a way we can kind of work it out? Maybe we could have done some pre-planning for it. It could have worked out a certain way. But it was just like the idea of, I want to do well by your family. He needs this. I can help with this. I'm going to do this. And she let him stay. Like, uh, they did some pumpkin carving. <laughs> like, I think she, said she fed him. Like, housed. It was a whole situation. And didn't ask for anything in return. It was just our relationship was what it was. And my brother was so taken aback by it, by the, the, the generosity. I, I think he was almost a little uncomfortable with it because it, it, it took, like, it's, it's rare that someone would just do that without knowing you, especially nowadays. Now, again, could something really bad had gone wrong, like my brother had done something stupid? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I vouched for him and I trust him. And she vouches for me and trusts me. And so she did that for him. And 
he told me a couple different times, man, you got some real people around you. You got people who, who care about you and people who ride with you. And really, they feel like they ride with you, they ride with the family. And that's an incredible thing to have around you. I never really stopped to think about the like enormity of that statement. I don't have a ton of people who I'm like close to, but I, you know, I meet people. I'm, I work in a gym. I'm a comic. I'm all over the place. But people who I'm like, yeah, this is my like, these are my people. I don't have a ton of them, mostly because people expose themselves for not being real over time. And you can kind of like fade them out to the sides, and it's easy to kind of differentiate real from fake, giving enough time. But the people who I do mess with, people who I do have in my circle, people I do ride with, I vouch for them. And to this date, I very, very rarely have been, you know, disappointed. I can't, I can't think of the last person I said, this is a good person, this is a person I ride with, and then they did something that made me regret it. And it's possible because I'm very analytical and I kind of take, I take my time with letting people really get that close to me. But what happens is over a span of, you know, 5, 10, 12 years, you have like a core of like, I don't know, 8 to 10 people and really like 3 to 5 who are real, real close. But then like the next 3 to 5 who are people who are like, yo, I'm stranded on 95. Where are you? Uh, exit 47. All right, cool. Uh, let me finish this up and I'll come get you. That's, I think that's a, I asked this question to, like, to a couple of my friends some years ago. How many people do you have in your life that if you were stranded a city or two away on the interstate, 10, 11 o'clock at night, you feel confident they would drop what they're doing to come get you? And not like, you know, just bitch you out about it. Like, man, you know how much gas this cost this now? If you were just like, dude, I blew a tire. I don't know what happened, man. I'll send you a, a pin drop. I'm stranded out here, man. My money's funny. How many people will come get you on some on just GP, just on, on just some some friendship kind of thing? And I think those are the people that you say. Those are my. That's my circle. Those are the people who ride for me. And it's, I doubt it's 25, 30 people because people say I got I got tons of friends. It's unlikely that really push to the push the edge you have that many people around you but I could say I got probably five to seven that I feel like if I was stranded like I'm in LA now so if I was like in maybe San Diego let's say two hours away you know I think I have a couple that would get me here and if I'm in Florida then that's the rest that's the other five where if I'm like dude I'm stranded my money's whack um blew two tires Triple uh, A said they can't come for five hours because of some accident or something. Can you hold me down? I think they will come. And I guess until that moment happens and I prove them wrong, I'll keep believing that because they're giving me the reason to do so. But those are the people who you ride with, those are people who are in your corner, those are people who when you become successful that you give back to them as much as you can. That's I've said this before in the podcast, one of my biggest goals it's not just make it for the sake of notoriety and fame. It's to be able to give back to the people who helped me get here. I never want to be that solo celebrity dude who's out of touch with reality and doesn't have people in the circle. So he started doing dumb stuff and there's nobody around and be like, hey, you know, you're doing some dumb stuff. You got to have somebody around you that can check you and that you respect their opinion. If you don't, you're going to just fly out the handle. And I believe I have a handful of people, if not a few more 
that if I get out of pocket, if I'm out of place, if I'm acting brand new, they'll be like, hey, remember, you're the same dude that got left at the altar. Remember that? And you're like, oh, yeah, that did happen. And it's not even to be mean. It's just to let people let them know, like, you're, you're more than what this fame is. You were a person before this. And that's what keeps you, I guess, real, but that's maybe not the best term for it, but it keeps you honest. And I look forward to ascending and growing more and more in this industry and this world to take care of those people because they're taking care of me now before I'm there. And so not that you owe anybody anything, but it's nice to give back. And I think that's kind of what the whole friendship circle loop is all about. Sometimes you're down, I got to pick you up. Sometimes you're up and you got to pull me up or I'm up, I got to pull you up. And at the end of the day, we, we hold each other down. And if you, when your clique is rich, your clique is rugged, right? Um, it's a Jay-Z line for those of you who don't know what's going down. But that is going to wrap it up for this week's podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, post, repost, tell your friends, and maybe reevaluate the circle of people you have around you. Ask yourself the, the interstate question. Stranded in the middle of the road, middle of the night, who can you call to come get you? that you feel confident will do it and not like hold it over you. And then maybe give those people a little bit more time and attention. Reconnect with those people if you've been distant from them like I do sometimes. It's, it's worth the experience. As always, guys, thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Deuces.